You're listening to Due South on WUNC. I'm Leonida Inge. Miss Mary Mac, 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 all dressed in black, 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 with silver back. The first magazine ever created for black children was published in January 1920. It was called The Brownies Book, a monthly magazine for children of the sun. And it was the brainchild of sociologist, scholar, and activist W.E.B. Du Bois. More than 100 years later, the Brownies book is still being discussed, studied, and celebrated, most recently with the publication of a new anthology inspired by the original. The new Brownies book, A Love Letter to Black Families, is the brainchild of Dr. Carita L. Brown, a professor of sociology at Emory University, and Charlie Palmer, painter, graphic designer, illustrator, and also Carita's husband. Carita and Charlie, welcome. Thank you. Hi. It's a pleasure to be here. It's, a, it's my pleasure because I just want to let you know how beautiful this book is before even thumbing through the pages, just looking at the cover um, of this book. Um, it really stands out, and I hope you're really proud of it. You know, the original Brownies book was a fascinating history. It was only published for one year from January 1920 to December 1921. You know, it featured the work from some of the most prominent Black intellectuals of the time. So I like to talk about, you know, the history of that periodical, some of its famous contributors, and how it really inspired you to start this this new collection. So the Brownies book, as you mentioned, Leonida, was founded by not only W.E.B. Du Bois, who was at the time the editor-in-chief of the Crisis magazine, um, but also a few of his colleagues at the NAACP, uh, Jesse Redmond Fawcett and Augustus Granville Dill. They worked as an editorial team to bring the Brownies book to life, which was conceptualized as a periodical centering what Du Bois called Children of the Sun. So the original Brownies book, um, you know, was typeset in color and, and um, issued every other month and was formatted very similar to the Crisis magazine, but geared towards a young audience. And it was so important because it was the first of its kind to feature black children, um, you know, in a, in a positive light. I know it's supposed to be for young readers, and maybe for children, um, not like the crisis. We know the seriousness of that, but I think a lot of parents probably read it as well, if not to their children, right? I would imagine that. I, I think uh, one of the things that's very important about the book itself, we we do see it as a family, a family book. There's something there for everyone in every age. Um, I think that, uh, and actually having opportunities to see behind a glass, one of the original copies of the Brownies magazine, you could see the quality of the color and the well illustrated and how well the type was set. So it was quite an inspiration to have a chance to, to see that in New York recently. It was our very first time actually laying eyes on a, a, an original copy of it. And what's fascinating about the original Brownies book, there's so many things that were uh, groundbreaking and important uh, about the periodical, but one of those things was that it was really a call and response. So while uh, Du Bois and the editorial team certainly um, um, published 
editorial uh, pieces in the book. It was mainly comprised of contributions from other writers and artists who uh, soon became the literati of the Harlem Renaissance. So there are contributions by folks like Nella Larson and Harry Burley. Also, Du Bois made sure to publish young and up-and-coming Black creatives. One young man in particular, um, who was 19 or 20 at the time, sent some of du, sent Du Bois some of his work and said, "I want to. I'm interested in being a writer. Um, would you take a look at my work?" Du Bois thought the work was quite good and published it. And that writer was Langston Hughes. He, in fact, had his first uh, pieces published in the Brownies book. Um, and so it was a launch pad for uh, some some of our greatest literati's careers um, uh, embedded in this Brownies book. You know, Charlie, I'd like you to talk a little bit about how this book looks and feels. I know before even opening the book, you know, my mouth sort of dropped open. I said, wow, how lovely. And really, just how does it look and feel? And then how did it make you feel when you got it back from the the publishers, when you saw your work? You know, so uh, a funny story is that we had to reenact uh, because uh, we didn't have actual video of the—actually, we, we do have video of the actual opening. We had no clue when we saw the um, the early layout of it that it was going to have that gold on the very front of it and on, on the side of it and, and the back of it. But we knew and we've seen how people have responded to the cover before they ever opened the book. And so we were very excited about the idea that people are responding by looking at this gorgeous image of this young lady as an angel. But uh, once you start to dig into this book, it is like uh, I, I've heard it by other participants that are part of the the, the, uh, the Brownies book, some of the contributing artists as well as writers, that this is one of the most important projects they've ever been involved with. I've had the opportunity to do a lot of things in my lifetime, and I can comfortably say this is the thing that I'm the most proud of, of anything I've ever done before. Wow. How did it make you feel, Corita? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> It is, it was, it's so regal. And when we pulled the book, the early copies that we got out of the box, seeing that the book is literally wrapped in gold, it just uh, took, took my breath away. I think that it is just absolutely uh, top notch. And shout out to Chronicle Books, our publisher, because they made that uh, decision to put it in a premium package. And that says a lot about what how, how the publisher feels about uh, this book for its year's lineup. Um, but it's absolutely gorgeous. It's meant to be a family heirloom. This book is meant to be on the coffee table of every family in the country. Uh, Charlie will probably say around the world. So and it and it looks like it should be. It's a work of art and uh, filled with creative genius. So the cover is just that invitation for the, joy and level of genius and creativity that you're going to experience when you uh, open it up and start to engage with some of the stories and fine art that's within the pages of the Brownies book. So you mean that we're not going to get one every other month? <laughs> I mean, I thought, I thought you were going to keep up that tradition. No, but I, I, you know I understand. What, you know, but one of the things that Karita has addressed, and it's like I think that's how she originally discovered the Brownies book, was he, she was seeing correspondence between the boys and children 
because he took the time to respond to children often. And this is like the call and response. If you look at this book, and as we've gone through it, we realize that perhaps what we need to do now, and that's why we've started to engage young people as well as adults in trying to connect with their younger self, is like perhaps there's a follow-up where we can write something and share images of how people are responding to this love letter to Black families. You know, Karita, you're a sociologist, and I know there are historical parallels between like the original Brownies book and this new collection and how the original book came out, what, just months after the red summer of 1919 Mm. when race riots and lynchings were rampant, you know, across the country. So how does that sort of echo some of the events that um, were occurring while you assembled this new Brownies book? You know, the history of racial violence in the U.S. is as old uh, and older than the founding of the country itself. So that's a thread that's been in the backdrop of Black American life since Black America has has existed. With the, the timing of the launch of the original Brownies book um, and the launch of the new Brownies book um, nearly 100 years later, it's just ironic that they both come at the heels of two major flashpoints in racial violence in the U.S. Uh, for us, we started to seriously solicit contributions from authors in 2020. And this was perhaps a month or two after George Floyd's murder. It was also during a time where we were, most of us were all shut in the house due to COVID and we had did not have a clear sense of how long that shut-in would be. So many of our contributors had that on their mind. It certainly was on my mind and Charlie's mind as we were activating the process of producing the works for the book. Um, And when we say a collective love letter to Black families, the creators who contributed to the book certainly were trying to pour into, um, pour love back to Black children and families in a time of urgency, crisis, and despair. However, I think it's really important to um, put it out there that Charlie and I conceived of this book in 2017. Wow. When we first started to, we weren't even really dating yet, right, babe? Like kind of figuring it out. We we were dating. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we were dating. And, um, And we... We would always be in these deep conversations just about our shared interest in Black history and culture, creativity, writing, literature, art. And Charlie asked me, if you were to do a children's book, what would what would your children's book be? And I ended up taking a little time and writing them back and saying, well, I wouldn't create a new book. I would revive the Brownies book. And in that email to Charlie, I told him a little bit about the Brownies book. I sent him the link to the original, um, you know, so he could do some research on that. And I said, this is an heirloom to all African-Americans and we should do this. So that really birthed the idea of and doing this book. Great date conversation. That's mm-hmm. how you lure her in, Charlie. You know, that's how <laughs> you know, we, we talk about pickup lines all the time. That's how you not, do it. I have no game. And so it, it really was, and that's the thing about us in general, uh, Karita and myself, is that we have constant stimulating conversations. 
And that, that just happened to be one that led to the birth of this book that is very important to us. You know, this is definitely a love letter. When I think about the past few years of the pandemic and children not being able to be children, um, right. and I keep hearing reports about how even some children, you know, those big standardized tests and those scores of the third graders, how they're behind. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wow, what? how are we going to recoup those years? How How is that going to be done? Karita points to me and says, you answer this one. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I think um, with this book being such a celebration, what we're attempting to do is to let these young people know how brilliant and how amazing they truly are. Because um, I don't think, and this is not about their parents not feeding that information to them, but the world is not feeding that information to them. I think that even a lack of development has a lot to do with not enough stimulation. And so one of the things that this book is, and I'm proud to say that, it, it stimulates thought and it stimulates conversation. It stimulates laughter it will make you cry. It will make you feel alive. And I think that those are the kinds of things that motivate change and growth and the de- desire. And so I would hope that even young people, something like this would encourage them to step it up. Uh, we believe in you. We have confidence in you. And, you know, go after it. And I think that that becomes very important. But when it comes to the fact that, yes, uh, what what's happened with the pandemic and everyone falling behind do we need to catch up? I think that the, one of my beliefs have always been that the pandemic was a, a restart. It was a reboot. It was an opportunity to change some of the things in the system that we've gotten used to. And so I think that maybe this also inspires more change. You know, art is so important to this project. I mean, before even reading the words, I mean, a child of any age, first of all, this book, it harkens back. It's like an encyclopedia, like you know, it's big, you know, it's broad. <laughs> it looks like it should be on a shelf and used as a reference book almost. And But the pictures, the artwork, amazing. I mean, I think one of my favorites is, I have my book here. <laughs> I, I definitely love the piece of art that's included um, called School Girls mm. and oh. the essay about historically black colleges and, and universities. Le- Leonard Maiden. Uh-huh. Le- Le- Leonard Maiden. See, so one of the things that I'm, I'm going to jump in this right now so mm-hmm. I can, because Carita always says this and like, I don't agree with you. She said, uh, and because there are several letters from Du Bois, because keep in mind that the uh, contributors were not being compensated. So these writers mm-hmm. and these artists and every, that were giving to the Brownies book he would reach out to them with letters or a telegram saying, I'm expecting your best work. But it was an ask. It, uh, it wasn't a demand. But who would say no to Du Bois? You no know, one. if you get a letter from him. And so they, so they did constantly give their very best. And so like, with, like that Leonard Maiden is actually a painting that we own. Um, and so we were looking at it. And when it came to the idea of who and what was going to go into this book, we know we— we know of so many writers and artists that weren't even able to be a part of this because it was so much of a wealth of uh, resources that we had. But we did the same thing where we reached out and we asked for them to give your best work. What's your message to black children? Now, we did pay them a little something. We <laughs> yeah, weren't we we like the boys right. saying we can't give you nothing. But, you know, and the, the look, work on, is- look and listen to those years. Those were like depression years about to kick in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those were hard times and still a need for this book. Yeah. 
And you're absolutely right. The artwork is stunning. And we were surprised by so much of the, um, the, by many of the pieces that came in. So we did not specify to the artist or the authors exactly what we wanted from them or what form we wanted it to be. So when the pieces started to come in, it was like Christmas over and over again. We, got, right. we were opening up gifts, um, learning that some of the scholars who contributed work wrote poetry I didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't know that uh, we've got historians and political scientists and anthropologist uh, professors who contributed to the book, um, but they use different forms than, they, than we've seen them publish on, um, you know, to express themselves for the Brownies book. So it's not just the lineup of contributors, creatives that we have in the book. It's also uh, some of the work that they've uh uh, lent to this book is never be before seen in that form. And I think that that's really powerful as well. Well, you know, um, our conversation has to wrap up soon, but I definitely wanted to ask, you know, ask you the question about books, especially black children and how, you know, children of color have been, you know, books for our children have been sort of under attack, you know, with these book bans in public right. schools across the country. And just what are your hopes for the new Brownies book use in schools and in educational spaces? One way that I hope that it's used uh, in this particular moment, uh, in this era of book banning and uh, censorship, we intentionally curated a book that... Um, demonstrates the full range of liter of the literary canon and the artistic canon. So in this one book, a child can experience short plays, essay form, long form stories, watercolor art, abstract art, figurative art. We made sure to show the breadth of of form so that a child can like go so many places within this one book. It also taps into various facets of the human, uh, you know, experience and the human condition. So we deal with everything from just silly, fun children's stories to, you know, how do we deal with harder, the, some of the harder facts of life, like losing loved ones and, and mourning. And what does that look like from a culturally specific standpoint? So that's the long way to answer your, to, to answer your question. We just hope that this book serves as a portal to allow children to go anywhere to um, experience the full range of humanity through art and literature, unbounded through this collective love letter that is the new Brownies book. Well, I can definitely tell it's been a passion of love. Dr. Carita L. Brown is a professor of sociology at Emory University. Charlie Palmer is a fine artist, graphic designer, and illustrator. They are the authors of the new Brownies book, A Love Letter to Black Families. Carita and Charlie, thank you so much for being on Due South. Thank you. It's thank been a you. This Mary Next up on Due South, a chat about the enduring importance of black bookstores, featuring the founders of the only black-owned children's bookstore in North Carolina. You're listening to Due South. Well, 50, 